Let's go to uh, Matthew chapter 6. We're going to try to uh, pin up Corel, the sacred cow of many of our lives. I say we're going to try to corral it because uh, I think that sometimes it's going to be too much for us to kill it. It needs to die. We've been looking at the commands of the Lord, and today we've come to the 19th verse of the 6th chapter of Matthew. And he says there in verse 19, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. But where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Let's pray. Father, um, we need your spirit and your word to empower our lives to obey the commands that you've given when you walk this earth. Lord, uh, nothing's much more personal to us than our stuff, our bank account, our money that we have worked hard for, we believe, and, and Lord, uh, so much is uh, attractive. There's so much tinsel that is flickering uh, for us to follow. And Lord, uh, sometimes I wonder if there's any Christian that follows this command. Lord, I pray that you would work in my life today. Lord, help me not to hold my stuff too close to my body. Help me to realize that I'm just a steward over in Jesus' name, amen. And so, when we are looking at the command that we're going to consider this morning, it's in the, it's in the word lay up. And that can happen in earth, or we can lay up in heaven, it's in uh, it's in the uh, 
present tense. And it's, of course, imperative. It's a command, which means that that we who are his, we are already laying up It means start. It means we're right in the middle of it. But the question is, what are we laying up? And so he says here that the treasures that we lay up, it shouldn't be on the earth. It means to accumulate things. It seems like that if you travel the roads around Alaska and see some of the houses in Alaska, that a lot of Alaskans have the accumulation disease. <laughs> they, they don't ever turn loose of anything. And so she says, so he's saying here, don't accumulate riches here because they're subject to falling apart. They're subject to moths. Clothing was a big deal back in those days. But moths can come and destroy the wool. And rust, we all know about rust. And where thieves come and, and take it away. But it says to lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, where thieves do not break through nor steal. I think one of the key words in both those passages is the word yourself. Lay not up for yourselves. For just for you, that's pretty un understandable. That uh, it's it's uh, about me. But he, but we can also lay up for yourselves in verse twenty in a very positive way, and we'll we'll note some verses that there is the possibility to have treasures in heaven. And so I think we need to, uh, first of all, in trying to define exactly what he's saying here, let's talk about what he's not saying. He's not saying that, he's not saying that poverty equals spirituality. Some would take this to mean this, this command that we shouldn't have anything. He's not advocating financial poverty or the obtaining of wealth. But it's to make that wealth uh, your God. If you go over to 1 Timothy chapter 6, 
pretty amazing how many verses the Bible has about material things and treasures. But First Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10, well, let's look at verse 9. They that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and the many foolish and hurtful lusts which draw men into destruction and perdition. And so this desire to obtain wealth, to be rich, brings with it temptations. It brings with it a snare, caught in a snare, unable to be freely, uh, make a decision freely, uh, or govern your life, but you're snared. And then it says, for the love of money, is the root of all evil. While some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. And so it's a, a possibility in how we look at treasure to be uh, pierced through with many sorrows. That, uh, that we'll read some quotes here later, but some very rich men make clear statements that uh, the money they got never did bring any real joy. And so it's the love of money, not necessarily money. But he is saying that spirituality does not come through poverty. We have to be poor to be spiritual. We've had some people in this church that kind of thought along those lines that to have money, to have anything, is a, a bad thing. And that somehow that God blesses uh, the poor. Well, he can bless the poor in different ways, but it's not a matter of... of uh, spirituality to be poor. <clears throat> now look over into 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and uh, God God uh, wants us to provide to be actively involved in work and First, Second Thessalonians chapter three and verse ten. For even when you were, for even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. The Bible pretty plain and. And, uh, and in us taking care of widows and, and orphans and people that are finding themselves in hard times. But people who are physically capable, he's instructing them, particularly as the church at Thessalonica, as a church group. But I think it also goes down into the home if you don't work, then you don't eat. Our welfare system, it, uh, 
doesn't penalize laziness. In fact, it encourages it. And a great motivator to work is hunger. And so the Bible here, if we're going to be biblical, then we need to understand that we're to work. And he says uh, in verse 11, For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. Now them that are such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that we that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. If we are of age and we're physically able and the food that we're eating is always being provided by others, then there ought to be a, a concern and there ought to be change. I deliver food for the food bank here at the church every Friday. And uh, different people come. And you can kind of make assumptions. Some people are really in need and in a bad spot. And you don't see them every week or, or numerous times in a year. They're in a bad spot, they need some help, and that's what it's for. But others just work the system. They just know how to not work. And uh, it's defeating. Because actually, <laughs> uh, uh, well, I don't know, some people have a conscience, but actually some people want to work, you know, and feel bad when they're not. But what I'm saying here is that when we're talking about not laying up, it's not talking about uh, giving everything away to be spiritual. It's not talking about that we need to have something laid aside so we can take care of our own needs. Look over in Proverbs 6. Uh, this will be quickly uh, recognized by you. But in Proverbs 6 and verse 6, it gives us the example of the ant, and it clearly instructs that it's, all, it's proper to lay up for future needs that you know are coming. And Proverbs 6 and 6, Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise. And so automatically, he's addressing here laziness, which have no guide or overseer or ruler. They don't, they say, these ants don't have to have someone watching over them, someone telling them to get out of bed in the morning, Someone telling them, you know, go go look for a job or, or go work hard at your job or show up on time for your job, that they have their own initiative. Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gather her food in the harvest. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou rise out of thy sleep? Get a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that travaileth, and thy want as an armed man. And so he, the Lord, when he's talking about not, don't lay up treasures, he's not talking about not 
putting money away for a need that you know is coming. You know, if you know that, that your property rent, is, property uh, taxes are coming, you need to put away for it. If you know that there's going to be a major, uh, something major that you have to do to your car, then you need to uh, put away for it. The government is not responsible to take care of us. And so uh, we have the example of the ant, and it doesn't contradict what he's saying in Matthew chapter 6. Look over in First um, Timothy. Well, wait a minute, we're still here in Proverbs. Look in Proverbs 21 and 20. Proverbs 21 and 20. There is treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man spendeth it up. I read an account of uh, someone that was on welfare and he'd won uh, some kind of a lottery-like thing and he uh, bought a car and, and bought a bunch of toys for his kid. It was, it was, it was a, a substantial amount 200,000, maybe 400,000, and uh, he bought a bunch of stuff, and within three years, he's back on the welfare system. Well, here it says that, <coughs> that uh, if you have oil, you know, the, you, you're wise, your treasures, but if you're a foolish man, spendeth it up. And so, if it's foolish to spend it up and give it away, then he is saying it's okay to lay it up. But, it, but he's talking about something different in the book of Matthew. Um, look over in First uh, Timothy. First Timothy six and seventeen. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. Uh, and they, they and they that they do good that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. The, the phrase I wanted you to see is in verse 17, that God giveth us richly all things to enjoy. It's not wrong to uh, sometimes go beyond just the need. And I purchased this because I found enjoyment in it. Are you with me? That God gives us richly to enjoy that, that, that uh, we're here not only, I mean, he, he has things, he, the creation has enough for us to enjoy, but uh, he gives us richly all things to enjoy. And so uh, it's, uh, I, I'm wanting to chase a rabbit here, but 
just as much as hoarding uh, money and treasuring up money, I think it's just as wrong to frivolously spend it. And uh, we saw some verses like that. And so I'll just uh, give a little bit of uh, rabbit trail here. But uh, it's quite shocking to me in lots of areas uh, the extravagance of the society that we live in now and the carelessness of our society. My parents came out of the Great Depression. My father had to go to bed when they washed his coveralls. He only had one pair. When we talked on the phone, my mom made it clear, especially it was long distance, you can't be on that over three minutes. And we never left the house unless all the lights were turned off. Now our society is rapidly heading in that direction. But our population doesn't understand that. And so it's not wrong to value money and to save money and to make sure that we're good stewards over God's money. But the issue and the key verse here in Matthew chapter 16 is not verse 19 and it's not verse 20, but it's verse 21. Here's the key to this whole thing of treasures. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. It's a, it's a heart matter. It's what we value. It's what we long for. It's what, what stirs us in our heart. Look over in the book of Luke chapter 12. Lots said in the Bible about treasures and finances because uh, it touches our lives. I mean, it's part of our everyday life. And, uh, and actually, one of the ways that God gets our attention, one of the ways he swaxes, waxes on the bottom is through finances. Luke chapter 12. In verse 15, and he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And so go home, look at everything that you have around about you, and understand that this is not me. This is not what my life is about. And that you shouldn't give your time and energy to that. Our life isn't what we own. 
And he spake a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to stow my fruits? And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God has said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So in that laying up treasure for himself and are not rich toward God. Now I know that eventually uh, we all time out. But I'm uh, still searching. I'm not saying there's not. There could be. But this idea of soul, take thy ease. Retire. Take your ease. It's not... Uh, I don't know if there's very many Bible verses that support retirement. You may not be able to do that job anymore, but when retirement becomes, I'm going to retire and I'm going to take care of me now. I worked all these years, raised my family, paid off my house, and now I'm going to take care of me. Well, that's not biblical. And that's what he says here. Now, I want to point out to you that he says to lay up treasures in heaven. And the Bible talks about treasures in heaven. We're here in Matthew chapter 10. Look in verse 41. He who receiveth a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. Look at that word, reward. And he that receiveth a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And who says shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple? Verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. And so what I'm saying here is he says, lay up treasures in heaven that the Bible indicates that there are rewards some of they may some of those may be now in this life but there's rewards to come look over in colossians chapter 3 do we actually have something you know well i'm just doing this because i love the lord well that's a good motive that's true but another very basic Bible truth is, is God is not going to receive your work and your labor of love for him and not reward it. He will. And I don't, don't have my motive that reward. I should have my motive because I love him. But to have that expectation is certainly not wrong that I expect to be rewarded. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 23. 
And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance. For ye serve the Lord Christ. Service to the Lord Christ is going to receive a reward. But he that is wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done. And there is no respect of persons with God. And then 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all of them also that love his appearing. And then look over in uh, Revelation. I don't know if I got this scripture right here. Uh, Revelation. Okay, Revelation 22 and 12. Revelation 22, 12 says, Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give to every man according as his work shall be. And so the Bible speaks of rewards. And uh, uh, what, what are some, uh, what are some, um, some treasures that we can send forward? First of all, when we're, when we're trying to lay, lay up treasures in heaven, our, our, our motive should be 1 Corinthians 10, uh, 31. Whether we eat or drink or watch what we do, do all to the glory of God. But a development of Christ-like character would result in reward in heaven. 1 Corinthians 13 says an interesting thing here. He's talking about hope and Faith, faith, hope, and charity. And he says, And now abideth faith, hope, and charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. But he uses the word abideth, that somehow faith, hope, and charity is everlasting abiding, having to do with future rewards, possibly growth in the knowledge of Christ, prayer, and witnessing, uh, and as we read, a cup of cold water given in his name. And so, as we've said before, our treasure, uh, he says, where your heart is, there your treasure would be also. There's our heart longing uh, for Jesus to be the greatest treasure in our life. And it kind of goes back to the when we talked that one verse, that very interesting verse, how that that as long as the as long as the groom is there, the Christ disciples didn't pray and fast, but when he left, they're going to pray and fast, and that the key to fasting, the reason for fasting, may very well be that we long to be closer to Him that I need to come aside for a while. And that my motive is to, to shut out the world, to fast, 
and so I can sit down and be quiet and be still before God and, and experience Him. And uh, those are part of laying up treasures that's linked to the heart. Let me give you some examples here. A guy named Fritz Kaiser, or Chrysler, uh, Fritz Chrysler, who uh, died in 1962 and was born in 1875. He's one of the greatest violinists of all time. And he thrilled audiences around the world with his playing. And although he could have commanded the highest fees, he refused to do so and never became rich. Chrysler once said, I never looked upon the money I earned as my own. It's public money. It's, it's only a fund entrusted to my care for proper disbursement. Speaking for his wife as well as himself, he said, I feel morally guilty if I order a costly meal. For it deprives someone else of a slice of bread some child perhaps of a bottle of milk. In all these years of my so-called success in music, we have not built a home for ourselves. Between it and us stand all the homeless in the world. Now, when he says that it's public funds, I don't know necessarily if we could wholeheartedly agree with that. But when I do spend money, for a costly meal. I'm spending the Lord's money. And we don't like that, but it is the Lord's. We're simply stewards over it. And because of my background, I, I know that I'm extreme in this, and I'm not saying that this you should be like me, but uh, very early in my ministry, I was filling in for six months at a church until uh, the future pastor could finish college and come and pastor. And the church gave me $100, which is quite a bit of money back then, to go buy me some boots. And I went and bought me a pair of boots for $100. And you know, I, uh, I worried over that and fussed over that. <laughs> and uh, felt guilty about that for months. Now, that's extreme. But uh, we're stewards over his money. And, and one of the things I did with that is I prayed, Lord, what pair of boots do you want me to have? And uh, I, I think that today's thinking would be, come on, why are you fussing over something that simple? Why are you, why are you praying about what boots you should have? What, what, wait, just go buy the boots. Well, again, because of my background and that, um, I'm, I'm, like I say, I'm, my parents came out of the Great Depression. My father came out of World War II. 
And I'm telling you, when the mortgage was paid off on our house, it was a great day. And money uh, was was managed. But uh, you see, we ought to. I I think we ought to pray about everything we buy. I mean, not necessarily. You know, you can buy. You can. I guess you could debate whether you're going to go outside and use leaves or or buy toilet paper. And that's excessive. But we ought to pray about stuff. An American tourist was traveling to Poland to visit a respected religious leader who was known for his wisdom. The visitor noticed that the man's room had nothing but a table, a chair, and some books. Puzzled by his austerity, He asked, where's your furniture? And the teacher answered, my furniture. Where is your furniture, my friend? And he said, furniture? I'm just a tourist passing through. And he said, so am I. Did you get it? I have to read that again. This man was visiting. He was just a tourist. He didn't have any furniture with him. But the man living in Poland was just a tourist too. Go home and take a look at all your stuff. You need some of it to survive. I need a chopping mall to split some wood. I need some wood. I need a car for transportation. But uh, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. Somewhere is laid up treasures beyond the blue. We're just passing through this world. George Truett, who was pastor of the First Baptist Church in Dallas, back when Southern Baptists believed something. He was invited to go to the home of a wealthy man in Texas, and after the meal, the host led him to a place where they could get a view of the surrounding area, and pointing to the oil wells out on his property, he boasted, 25 years ago, I had nothing. Now, as far as you can see, it's all mine. Looking in the opposite direction, at his sprawling grain fields, he said, that's all mine. Turning east toward the huge herd of cattle, he bragged, they're all mine. Then pointing to the west in a beautiful forest, he exclaimed, that too is all mine. He paused and expected Truett to compliment him on the great success, success, and Truett, however, placing one hand on the man's shoulders and pointing heavenward with the other, simply said, How much do you have in that direction? Well, um, I think you get the point. Moth and rust and thieves, absolutely nothing. If if what's here on this earth survives the moths and it survives the rust and it survives the thieves, it's not going to survive the fire. It's all going to melt with fervent heat. 
And it's interesting, this word treasure here, that there's actually a, a, a kind of a, a nuance to the word that you don't really see uh, in our language. When he's talking about laying up treasures, he's talking about, you know, just a, like one word is like a, 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 a just, it's just laying on top of each other, whether it would be coins on top of each other or, or dollars. But I, it's all laid up. I'm just stacking it up over here. I got, it, I got this storeroom, and it's all stacked up, uh, and it's treasured up. But there's another, another uh, significance of this word when, it's, when some different uh, suffixes or prefixes is added to it. And there's a way to store up with, with uh, things that I have it stored up in like a, a vertical fashion instead of a horizontal fashion. And so, uh, you know, I can, I can stack all my books up pile, 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 and I'm saving this or whatever it is, or I could have uh, have uh, stacked up this way, and when it's stacked up this way, what it's indicating is it's ready to go do something, that it's there to go do something, that our, that our wealth shouldn't be layered upon layer upon layer upon layer, that I can get this stuff into the, my, my, um, I can't think of the word for a, 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 I'm want, wanting to say chess, but it's a, my, <laughs> why, the, why the words leave, what do we got in here we put the money in? Safe. Safe. <laughs> uh, you'll, you'll recognize this when you get old. Uh, <laughs> safe. We lay our stuff in there. But he says, no. That our stuff ought to be ought to be stacked up, ready to go, and that the things, the wealth that I have, that that is beyond what I'm preparing for in the future. I, I look to see that I might need it in the future. It ought to be there. And what, what I'm saying is that we have this thing, and and uh, we get our we we invest in the stock market, and, and we stick it in there. And, uh, and I, I know my mindset, don't touch that. Don't touch it. You know, and when, they, when it starts losing value, uh, you know, I talked to the guy who's managing uh, my great wealth, and he says, just leave it in there. It'll come back up. That's only, that's the only vice a stock advisor ever has. I, I get so frustrated. He didn't say, why don't you go invest in this or invest in that, or why don't you, you know, go buy this and, no, he said, just leave it in there. We just got to ride the wave. Just don't, but don't touch it. But the Lord says, no, have it accessible. I mean, you can have it in there, but it needs to be. You have it accessible so it can go do something. That what God has given you, he's given it to you so it can be used to go do something. And so, let's let our wealth be available. Now, it's interesting where he says there in Matthew, 
we're looking at the crisis moment. And he says there in verse 19, lay up for your lay not up for yourselves treasures. The word yourself is plural. Talking to all of them. But lay up, verse 20, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Yourselves is plural. For where your treasure is, therefore your heart shall be also. The word your there, we have the word your in yourselves and the word your in, in yourselves in verse 20. But the word your treasure in verse 21 is singular. So he's saying, I'm giving a general overall principle for all of you. Yourselves, don't lay up for yourselves, don't lay up for yourself, but lay up for yourselves. And then he says, but where your treasure is. He nails it right down to you. And when we come to this crisis moment, how do you see the money that you have? Does it have you? Or do you have it? <laughs> well, John Rockefeller, who made many millions, he says, the poorest man I know is the man who has nothing but money. Henry Ford, a very wealthy man who developed the Ford car and who the Ford agency is named after said this, I was happier doing mechanic work. And so does your money have you or do you have the money? And what are you doing with it? And how much does it occupy your time? And how much does it occupy your mind? And how much do you fuss over the future? And uh, is, it, is it laid up in that safe? Where was that? And that's untouchable. Don't bother that. I may, I may need that someday. I just might need it. But what about this need here? And what about the verse that said, God will supply all your need according to his riches and glory? What about that? Do we even have the right to say, I may need that someday? You know what it does? I'm going to tell you exactly what it does. It makes us idol worshipers. Because I'm not looking to the Lord to supply my need. I'm looking to my treasures to supply my need. And it takes us from the Lord. The love of money is the root of all evil. And so we're challenged to take our hands off of it. And some of you are sitting here today say, well, I don't have to worry about that. I don't have nothing anyway. But you know what? You, 
don't have to have a bunch to love money. Okay, let me get some.